You are listening to a Sunday sermon from St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Bellevue, Washington. We are a community that seeks God's presence, serves Christ and others, and grows together in faith. Welcome to our podcast. The following sermon was preached on the 12th Sunday after Pentecost, August 23rd, 2020, by the Reverend Lex Breckenridge, Rector at St. Thomas. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Well, we said goodbye to a very faithful member of our St. Thomas community this week. Slade Gordon died peacefully on Wednesday morning in the company of his beloved family and lifted up to God's nearer presence by the love and admiration of friends and colleagues near and far. Hope you've had a chance to read some of the obituaries that recount Slade's long and productive life. There there are two wonderful editorials in the Seattle Times uh, just this morning, on this Sunday morning. I hope you'll have a chance to, uh, to read some of those. Now, here's an important part of Slade's character that I haven't seen mentioned in any of these obituaries, and that is that Slade was a faithful, observant Christian. Slade was a man whose life was shaped by his faith. Slade often told the story of growing up at St. Mark's Episcopal Church in Evanston, Illinois, where he was a boy chorister, and apparently the choir master at St. Mark's was a a a taskmaster who insisted that all of his choristers be punctual. And there were penalties, that there were were consequences if you were late to choir practice, or or certainly if you were late on Sunday morning. And Slade often said that 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 experience of being in that choir uh, was not uh, just an important part of his spiritual formation and his spiritual foundation. It taught him discipline. It taught him punctuality. So he attributed so much of his uh, of, of his uh, character uh, to that formation that he'd experienced in the church. And it's something that, of course, stayed with him all his life. And Slade's honesty, Slade's integrity, Slade's uh, commitment uh, to the common good are certainly a function uh, of his faith. He had a keen intellect, among the keenest intellects I've ever been uh, around, I'll tell you that. And that intellect he used to discern and then to do what was right. To do what was right as far as he could tell 
regardless where that might lead. Now, he was certainly a man of principle, and he was a dedicated activist for his beloved Republican Party. But he also described himself as a passionate moderate. I love that, a passionate moderate. Slade, above all, was a patriot, in the best sense of that term, a patriot who loved his country. And as a patriot, Slade always put country over party. He is always trying to find solutions to problems and issues that serve the common good. Think about that, the common good, as he appreciated it. And he sure wasn't afraid to compromise with the other side to serve the common good. Now, Slade was a, a public servant in the best sense of that word. And his faith, his faith, his Christian faith, was a huge part of his call to serve. Now, why am I talking about Slade this morning? This isn't his funeral. This isn't his memorial service. Well, I'm talking about Slade because he's so much on my mind and heart right now in this contentious election season that we're in the midst of. It's the most contentious uh, election season that we've experienced in this nation in many, many years. I mean, we've divided ourselves into warring tribes who barely speak the same language. And our, this is what just is so heartbreaking. Our political disagreements have become intensely personal. I mean, we can't, we, we, we can't disagree politically without, without villainizing, demonizing the other. And sadly, Christians seem to be just as prone to demonizing their opponents as anyone else. We are crying out right now for public servants public servants like Slade who work for the common good and who understand that the common good includes everybody. And so it's a piece of grace, I think, that we hear from the Apostle Paul this morning who has a message for the church in Rome, uh, a church that was, that was struggling with persecution, with oppression, a church, a church much like, well, <laughs> in, 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 the, the, the situation of the Christians in Rome was a whole lot more dire than our situation today, even in the midst of pandemic and even in the midst of all this conflict that I'm talking about. I mean, the, the, the Christians in Rome were hanging on by a thread. And Paul has a message for that church and a message that's as timely for us today as individuals uh, as, a, as a diverse community of the faithful, which we are uh, certainly here at St. Thomas, we, we, uh, our tent is, is, is pretty darn big here. And it, and, it, and it holds, we gather underneath this tent, people of all kinds of different uh, political persuasions and political beliefs. And thanks be to God that we can do that. That we can hold these differences uh, here together. And... and understand ourselves as, as Christians with a purpose. And even though we might think that there are different solutions, political solutions to particular problems, we here, I pray God, can continue to hold those differences lightly and emphasize those things that we hold in common. And so that, that, that message that Paul has for the church in Rome is, is not just uh, important to us uh, here at St. Thomas and as individuals. It's also important, I want to uh, say to you, my sisters and brothers, for our nation. Because we, uh, we, we are so uh, diverse on this country, and we're getting you know, more diverse by the year. 
And so this morning, Paul holds up uh, a beautiful image of diversity for us, this image of the body of Christ. The diversity of the body, uh, Paul says, reminds us that every part of the body is important. We need each other. We need each other in our differences. Listen to what he says. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. In other words, let go of your self-righteousness. You know, our self-righteousness, our conviction that I'm right and you're wrong, I'm good and you're bad, it stands in the way of us being in true relationship with each other. It really stands in the way of our discernment of the common good. And he goes on to say, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, one body, we have many members. Not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually members one of another. Do you hear that? Individually, we're, 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 we're interlocking. We need each other. We are members one of another. And we have different gifts. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministry, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness, the compassionate in cheerfulness. My God, my sisters and brothers, we are in need of some cheerfulness these days, aren't we? You know, and back to my, my dear friend Slade, I mean, this, this was a, a, a man who was cheerful <laughs> all the time. I mean, he just brought this beautiful sense of, of, of positive energy to everything that he did. And, and that I, I would say that all our cheerfulness is born out of our sense of compassion. When we, when we lack compassion, when we lack empathy, then our, our, our expression, our presentation is going to be dark. Uh, it's going to be divisive. But when we have compassion, uh, I, I love uh, what Father Greg Boyle says. I've, I've been uh, printing it on the front page of our, of our worship sheet these last few months. You remember he's the, uh, the Jesuit priest who serves in that uh, community in the Boyle Heights neighborhood of Los Angeles, serves uh, among uh, the... Uh, a gang culture uh, where there, you know, there are lots of bad behavior there. But he says this, it would seem that quite possibly the ultimate measure of health in any community might well reside in our ability to stand in awe of what folks have to carry rather than in judgment of how they carry it. That, my dear sisters and brothers, is compassion. And it's this compassion that, that leads to the cheerfulness, the cause uh, exhorting us to, uh, to, to appreciate and, and, and share this morning. And the gifts, remember, of each member of the body are to be used for the good of the body. The gifts that we all have are to be used for the common good. And all the different gifts we have are all useful, and every member, you, 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 me, we each have something to contribute. Now, Paul begins his, his uh, appeal to the Romans like this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. 
What, is, what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? What Paul is getting at is that, is that we have something to do. We need to act. And we need to act sometimes in ways that will be uncomfortable, in ways that will be outside the norm, in ways that will feel outside the mainstream. We need to act in ways that are going to take us out of our little tribes and put us in community with people who disagree with us. That's one thing it means to be a living sacrifice is to you know, let go of that need to think more highly of yourselves than you ought, as Paul says, and, and experience the, the, the gift of being in the presence of another who maybe doesn't think or, or, or believe the same way you do. But that person, I submit to you, has something to offer you just like you have something to offer them. And we each have something to offer the common good. And then, I love this, Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Do not be conformed. My God, it's not so easy to feel like we need to conform to what's demanded of us. And particularly as we've divided ourselves into these tribes that don't even, we're not even speaking the same language. We're not, we're not operating from the same set of facts anymore uh, in the, as, we, as we split ourselves up into these tribes. And so there's very little room for discernment as we try to conform ourselves to what's expected of us by our tribe. But if we're conforming ourselves to that, we are missing the opportunity to be transformed. Transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can discern what God's will is. You know, it's really hard to discern God's will, I think, if we're just sitting in our little bubbles. But if we, if we have the courage to become that living sacrifice that Paul calls us to, we can step out and open ourselves with vulnerability and humility to discern God's will for us. And what God's will is, as Paul says, is what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, once again, my friends, our great high calling is not to be conformed to this culture, not be conformed to this culture of conflict, this culture of, 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 of bitterness and division, but to be transformed. And we will be transformed when we, as, as, as Father Greg says, when we look at the burdens that, that another person is carrying and not to judge how that person is carrying those burdens, but to stand in awe of the burden itself. To say, my God, how can that sister be carrying what she's carrying? How can that brother carry what he's carrying? Even if I might carry it differently myself. Uh, to be, to be uh, compassionate. And, and of course, that brings with it the cheerfulness that Paul's talking about. So I, this is such a... a um, a timely message for us. Uh, Paul speaking to a community 2,000 years ago, Paul could just as easily have been speaking to us today. And it, it brings me back to my friend Slade and to, to the, uh, the example that he held up, certainly for me, an example of, of a, a man who was fiercely committed to what he believed best served the common good, yet who also understood that, that the common good wasn't uh, to be uh, defined narrowly. The common good was to be defined as what was best for the country, 
which would include uh, everyone, not just those in his political party, everyone. You know, one of the last times I saw Slade was just a few days before he died. Um, we had gathered with his family to say prayers. And the words of those prayers had come from the Book of Common Prayer, something that Slade had just grown up with and, and, and was deeply familiar with his whole life. Those words were, were very comforting to him. And as our time was drawing to a close, Slade said to me, may we say the prayer for our country? It was uh, the, the, the Book of Common Prayer has a, a couple of beautiful prayers for, for our country, and I knew the one that Slade was, was asking about. And it was so true to his character that as Slade's life was drawing to a close, and, 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 and he knew that the end wasn't far off, that this man, who had dedicated his life to serving the common good, as he understood it, wanted to pray for the welfare of our country. As I began this prayer, Slade began to recite it from memory, right along with me. I can't tell you how moved I was by that. So I want to close by saying for us this, this prayer for our country from the Book of Common Prayer. And I invite you to pay very close attention to the words of the prayer. It was written many, many, many years ago. But it's so relevant to us in this very moment. And, it, and the prayer calls us to, to get out of ourselves, to get out of the little warring tribes we've divided ourselves into, and to, and to appreciate and discern the common good, which is the very will of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, who has given us this good land for our heritage, we humbly beseech thee that we may always prove ourselves a people mindful of thy favor and glad to do thy will. Bless our land with honorable industry, sound learning, and pure manners. Save us from violence, discord, and confusion, from pride and arrogance, and from every evil way Defend our liberties and fashion into one united people. The multitudes brought hither out of many kindreds and tongues. Endue with the spirit of wisdom those to whom in thy name we entrust the authority of government. That there may be justice and peace at home. And that through obedience to thy law. We may show forth thy praise among the nations of the earth. In the time of prosperity, fill our hearts with thankfulness. And in the day of trouble, suffer not our trust in thee to fail. All this we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. For more information about St. Thomas Episcopal Church, please visit our website at www.stthomasmedina.org.